Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, a podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke. My co-host today is Nathan. Hello and thanks for having me. Today's topic, The Amazing Spider-Man. The film released during the 50th anniversary of Spider-Man's first appearance in comics. The film is directed by Mark Webb, Andrew Garfield, Emma Stone, Reese Evans and Dennis Leary star in the film. This is your warning, we will be talking spoilers. Indeed. So this is the first Spider-Man movie we've covered on Sounds Like Comics. We're leaving purposely the Sam Raimi trilogy. The guys at Rewind and Review are going to cover those eventually. But I thought this would be a good place to start. And it's a movie I did not see in cinemas. I waited until it was out on Blu-ray. That's when I first watched it. But what about you? Did you see this on the big screen? I have a vague memory of, of seeing it... Uh, on DVD as well. I don't think I watched this one in cinemas either. It's not really ringing any bells to me memory-wise. I'm pretty sure my experience with it was DVD as well. For as long as I can remember, a big movie, and this qualifies, I would always see at the cinema. But this this was the year that my eldest was born. Ah. And she was born in June. This movie was out around about that time. So that kept you away from the cinema. So I couldn't go. Yep. So I waited for the Blu-ray. And I've got to be honest, when I finally got to watch it, I was okay with that. Mm. I've since come back to it and watched it again for this review. Mm. But yep. my first viewing, I think maybe I was really missing the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. Me too. But I had a hard time getting into this film. And until the rewatch, the scene that stood out that I really disliked and reminded me of Teen Wolf, the basketball scene. <laughs> really? I mean... Oh, it, the length that he jumps at school playing basketball is ridiculous. Just around about the same time, there's a metahuman jumping around the city. Nobody connected the dots. Development on the film began with the cancellation of Spider-Man 4 in January 2010, ending director Sam Raimi's Spider-Man film series that originally featured Tom McGuire as Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. Columbia Pictures opted to reboot the franchise with the same production team. During pre-production, the main characters were cast in 2010. New designs were introduced from the comics, such as artificial web shooters. That's something that I did miss from those Sam Raimi movies. What, the, the external ones? Yes, he had organic webs, Yeah, which is always weird. I like the fact that any other iteration of Spider-Man, Peter Parker uses his intelligence. And he, he designs and makes the web shooters. Yeah. So I'm glad that in, in, this, in this film and the sequel... That's one cool thing that they reference. Yes, definitely. The film premiered on June 30th, 2012 in Tokyo and was released in the United States on July 3rd, 10 years after the release of Spider-Man in 2002. This film was released in 2D, 3D and also IMAX 3D screenings. I've only ever seen this film in 2D. It came out around about that time. We'd had Avatar. Every Hollywood blockbuster was 3D. Yeah. Maybe not every. I remember that. Most. I remember there was a phase where every movie coming out was all 3D and it was all the rage. And it just in and, and some of them you could almost see the corners on the 3D effects. So this movie was just another one of those. Mm. I mentioned July 3rd. In the US, here in yep. Australia, July 4th. Yeah. 
that's when we got it. So yeah, my kid would have been very young. And that's why I didn't see it Absolutely. on the big screen. The reboot received a mostly positive reception with critics praising Andrew Garfield's performance, the visual style, James Horner's musical score, and the realistic reimagining of portrayal of the title character. But it was criticised for the number of underdeveloped storylines, noting the film's deleted scenes. Mm. There was a lot that didn't make it into the movie, and even what was in the movie, there was too much setup going on. Mm. And I guess you're not really to know that sort of stuff until you start delving into the DVDs, special features, and and what have you. You do notice when watching the film, though, where there's, they're clearly building something. Yeah. It, there's there's just a lot of setup going mm. on. Well, the f- foreshadowing. Yes. The film was a box office success, grossing over 757 million worldwide, becoming the seventh highest grossing film of 2012. Mm. There we go. The second film in the series, The Amazing Spider-Man 2, was released 2nd of May 2014. I did see that one on the big screen. Yeah. And after watching it on the big screen, I decided I probably don't need to see that again. Although there there were some great Spidey moments. And Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man, I know we're going to get into it. More so in that second film. He's great for me as Spider-Man. Too cool for school. As Peter Parker, you know, zipping about on his skateboard. Yeah. Too cool. As Spider-Man, though, he was fantastic. But that's that's the second movie. They did plan a third movie, but they never got to finish finish the story. And that's another thing. I wonder why. The tagline, or one of the two taglines for this movie, the untold story begins. Ah, Think about it, though. I mean, again, this started as a planned fourth movie. They scrapped it. They rebooted Spider-Man. But it, was, it wasn't it was too far behind Spider-Man 3, really. And they kind of did it again when they cast Tom Holland in Captain America. Just, I was just about to say, I wonder if this is getting in towards like, Spider-Verse territory. Yeah. I are, mean, we, are we going to talk about that later? Yeah. I mean, maybe we'll see this Spider-Man back in a, in a future movie. Yeah, we could talk about that. Later when we um, wrap up, you might be reminded that. Yeah, I should pre- preface that by saying I have not seen Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Whoa! I, I haven't. I think uh, we need to stop this recording. You need to go and fix that immediately. It's on Netflix. It's on, I know. I've been meaning to watch it in recent nights, but I've been so distracted by watching other stuff. Okay. But I have made a mental note to watch it. It is. I want to see it. I know oh, enough about it. And excellent. I know, and I know that some of the characters in that are going to probably appear all together on screen, which is exciting people. Yeah, potentially. I mean, for mm. me, I loved Into the Spider-Verse and I would be more than happy for that storyline to stay in animation in upcoming sequels I'm, for I'm, that well, first film. The talk I'm hearing is it's going to happen in live action. I'd rather it not, but that's... We'll, we'll no, touch on that. Yeah. We'll touch on it at the end. You can, you'll can. Yeah. you have to remind me, though, because I didn't make a note yeah. of that. The Untold Story Begins is what I was trying to say before. One of the taglines. So again, it's so soon after Maguire's Spider-Man... They mm. couldn't just tell that same origin story no. again. So now they're giving us the untold story. And there's extra story elements added that I do dislike, if I'm honest. Yeah. For me, it's always been chance that Peter Parker just so happened to get bit by a radioactive spider. Yeah. What's happening in this film is that it's it's been encoded to his dad's genetics just so happens to work on him also. Mm. Nobody else could become Spider-Man, only him. 
I don't like that as a story choice, yeah. but I get completely why they did it. Because again, mm. so soon after the last live action films, and they didn't just want to tell the same story again. Yeah, well, I mean, so that that's where it sat didn't sit very well for me. I did. I felt like we really didn't need to see a retelling of his origin story. We got that with the Raimi trilogy. We don't need to see him get bitten by the spider again. We don't need to see him, you know, uh, lose Uncle Ben um, and, and all that again. It's been established. It's done. That's what I like about Tom Holland's movies. That's all. That's all done, and we can just move. We can move on. That's my big criticism of the Andrew Garfield movies. Just but they, yeah. But that's what I'm saying is that they've clearly tried to do it in a different way. Like yeah. that's that's the origin. It's a retelling. I get it. I mean, it's like how many times are we going to see Martha and Thomas Wayne? gunned down in crime alley that's like, well, they, we, you can make that we yeah. always we can always get it true. yeah you're we exactly always right. get it you're always going to get uh the defining origin of a superhero retold numerous times uh, over the generations so that new generations can learn of the origin i suppose well you're right though tom holland they i love really I love that moved decision. away yeah i think it was yes. great that they got they glossed her they didn't really gloss over it or didn't need to reference it yeah, it's, it's but already then, done we don't really get Uncle Ben in the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies. We get Tony Stark instead. Yeah, uh, he and he's kind of like a, a a father figure to him. He is. But a, a, a and real... then the next movie, Mysterio, another father figure to him. Exactly. I'm hoping for the third movie. I don't think it's going to happen because he'll have yet another father figure. Maybe another version of himself, Andrew Garfield, Tobey Maguire. Tobey Maguire, an but... older grizzled Peter. They can't just let Holland be Spider-Man and mm. have him be the most important character in his own story. Yeah. I think he's going to have to stick around for well, the longer. The Avengers movies had to set him up. I know, I know. But he's just... Rewatching both The Amazing Spider-Man and the sequel, what I really enjoyed was having Spider-Man be the only superhero. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. And that is what I'm missing from Tom Holland. I think we need to You're sidestep right. and You're leave... Right. Tom Holland and the MCU, and let's just try and stick with this movie. Sony, yeah. The only other, well, the other tagline I was going to mention: his past was kept from him. His search for answers has just begun. Mm. Not quite as punchy as the untold story begins. Yeah, that's that works better. It does, it does. But that was the other tagline that's yeah. sort of floating around on various promotional material. Mm. The plot then, it, it's familiar because it's an origin story for so Peter Parker Spider Man. Peter Parker, an outcast high school student, gets bitten by a radioactive spider and attains superpowers. Soon, he is forced to use his abilities to fight a monstrous foe. Kind of sounds like I'm describing the Sam Raimi Spider-Man film. But do you see my point? <laughs> no, no, I, so I do. So monotonous. I do. But again, this is the untold story, so yeah, it's untold. a little bit More, little more like different. they just tweaked it and skewered it a little bit. The director of this movie, right? Ironically named Mark Webb. I was going to say, like, you know, is that one of the things that got him the job? I was going to say This, that's... obviously, being a big Sony blockbuster, I'm pretty sure the only thing he directed before this, it was 500 Days of Summer. Right. Joseph Gordon-Lovett, mm. romantic never, comedy. Never heard of it. And I think it's, is it Zoe Dachanel? I think she's in it as well. It's almost like he just walked into the... Um... You know the audition for director or whatever, or like you know, and they. Who's this he, guy? Yeah, it's Mr. Like Webb. You're hired. He's, he's hired. You're hired. <laughs> Surname like that. You're on. I mean, that movie was very well received. Five hundred days of summer, and yeah, I mean, it obviously pitched. Like you know, I'm sure it was mm. more than his surname. But yeah, mm. the director of the Amazing Spider-Man, Mark Webb. Perfect. <laughs> 
The filmmakers cite Steve Ditko's early work on Spider-Man and Brian Michael Bendis' ultimate Spider-Man comic mm. and Batman Begins, interesting yeah. enough, as an influence on the film. I can see those influences completely. I was going to say, can you... Can you see that? Can you see that as being an influence? Can you see how Bagley and Bendis's Ultimate Spider-Man was a direct influence on this? I can, I can. They yeah. might as well have called it. I thought that's right. Ultimate Spider-Man. I collected that run too. I remember collecting it in trade, so I can, I can totally see that. The classic comic, The Amazing Spider-Man. It's really good that they were able to call a film that. I think but it just one... so happened to be a film that yeah. feels so much like Ultimate Spider-Man. As much as this film, or these two films with Andrew Garfield in them, as much as they get my goat, I gotta say. I do like the fact that he's uh, in high school, just like Ultimate uh, Spider-Man. He's, he's a yeah. high school kid running around Midtown New York. You know, Although, looks very much like a grown-up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of these actors do. I mean, yeah, wasn't Maguire like 30-something? Uh, and yeah. he's playing a dude who's like 20, not even 20, or probably I, early 20s? I just went with it. I, I don't know. Like, I, I guess I was, like most people, were just so swept up in a live-action Spider-Man film, yeah, you just completely that they just went forget along. his age. Yeah, went along but with the idea. To that... be fair, to be fair, they do have a certain kind of youth to them. They do have a, a youthful look to them, even that belies their age. I've pointed out, and not just on here today, like when we've done reviews of the MCU for uh, that yep. film, Stu. Yep. Tom Holland, how they use his Peter Parker Spider-Man to be a part of the MCU, mm. and it takes the character in directions where sometimes. He's serving other characters more than his own. Yeah. But I'll say this. Tom Holland looks like a teenage Peter Parker. Do you know what I love about Tom Holland the most? I'm just going to come out and say it straight away. Tom Holland looks like Peter Parker. He does. He does. And more more so than Tobey Maguire, which is amazing. Yeah, he's like a grown-up. We've covered that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) well, for the longest time, I thought Tobey was was my Peter, right? Tobey Maguire was my Peter Parker. And I thought, there's your Peter Parker right there. No need to even try and do something different or get a different actor. He's, he's Peter Parker, the quintessential. But then Holland comes along and I'm like, you know what? I didn't think it could be done, but there you go. Yeah, I mean, for the first time in live action casting, he actually looks like a high school student. Yeah, he does. But um, and, but Garfield doesn't never really struck me as Peter Parker. So let's talk Garfield then. Let's yeah. actually talk about it. Now, yeah. this this guy, he was so happy to be cast as Spider-Man. Yeah. I was, I was reading about him and found... During his breaks, he went around New York playing basketball with kids in his outfit. That's pretty dressed rad. as Spider Man. Okay, that's pretty cool. I just, I just honestly, in both of his movies, like whenever he's in costume, and this is bold, mm. and so many people love the MCU, and I do too, mm. Spider Man and everything else. Mm. For me, when when Garfield is Spider Man, is my favorite live action Spider Man. That's a pretty big call. It's a very big call. And I love everything that Maguire did in those Sam Raimi movies, but mm. there's just something about Garfield as a performer. And mm. when he's in that suit and when he's quipping, he can just do it. Like there's a lot of like teen angst mm. in this movie. And he doesn't have to think too hard about the quips, they just come out naturally. So he's he's doing it, he's doing like the hard drama, but then he's quipping a Spider-Man. He's got jokes as Parker when he's with Gwen. I really like him in these movies the movies themselves though are nowhere near as good as his performance yeah i will say though that i think it's kind of cool they reference villains that uh, obscure villains uh, from his rose gallery like the rhino who don't get used much in, in other in, in other media. i know but it's not a good interpretation no it's not it's not but we still we get the rhino and yeah, we, have, we, do. We, we haven't had him on screen before and granted he sucked but 
come on, it's just we we get some old school rose gallery in there. Well, it's why we got the lizard as yeah. the big bad in this movie. It's and a character. He was referenced. He was teased in the Raimi trilogy, I believe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they were building to it. It could have been like again, this movie started off as being Spider Man Four. Yeah, so they could have been playing Easily. the idea. A, you can see how it's a bridge. Using, you can almost almost see how it's a bridge to the Raimi trilogy. So in the Raimi trilogy, I think in Spider Man Two and Three, it was Dylan Baker playing Doctor Kirk Connors. Yeah, he had this, one arm. That was as far as they. Reese fans, isn't it? Yes. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's who we get in this movie. So they never got as far as the Lizard, but it's it's definitely the direction they they were going in mm. and. Yeah, Reese, Reese fans. For me, I know him as Eyeball Paul from the Kevin and Perry Go Large movie. Right. You know, with Harry Enfield? Uh, it sounds familiar. Maybe it's an English thing, but I knew him. He was like a DJ in that movie, pretty right. funny. And he was also the housemate in Notting Hill. Right. He's pretty memorable from that. And he's done him, many, man. many. He's, he's been around. I know I know, that, I know, many, his, many I know his face, but he's like a character actor. But yeah, he's in this. Mm. He's your bad. You know, he's, he's plays the. Serviceable, you know, too. Yes, I I like him in this. He plays the you know the uh, at times quite you know science nerdy type, mm. but then he's also quite suave as well. So he's true. Yeah, I like the portrayal in this, but then as soon as he goes full lizard, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that big scene with the bridge, shamozzle. Yeah, it's just a big CGI, CGI mess. Best. Yeah, we've skipped over Emma Stone as Gwen Stacy. Mm. She is never not excellent. I think Emma Stone is brilliant in pretty much everything. Most recently, watched her in Cruella. Oh, yeah. And yeah. she blew me away in that movie. And she's always a lot of fun. She's someone can do comedy, drama. Or she's, she's getting to be part of some action set pieces. Interesting in that they movie. went with Gwen uh, over MJ because Gwen, as we all know, uh, if you follow the comics, was Peter's first love and girlfriend before... MJ came along. Yeah, so it makes sense that they would do that. Nice to do that. She doesn't... St- I mean, spoiler, like, she doesn't stick around for the whole of The Amazing Spider-Man 2. No. And originally, they had cast Mary Jane for that second movie, no. setting up the third film. Yeah. But whether they got cold feet, I don't know, or whether they mm. was a bit nervous about the movie in general. Yeah. Although that movie was financially a success, yeah. The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah. But yeah, this movie, we get a blonde Emma Stone, usually mm-hmm. a redhead. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she's she's really good in this. Yeah, like, she's good as... And there's yeah. sexual chemistry yeah. like between yeah. Garfield and Stone in that movie. You're like, wow, it looks so real. Mm. Yeah, it was. They started dating during production. <laughs> so yeah, right. they, they were in the natural relationship. So on one hand, wow, they're great actors. Oh, no, they're, they're really, really like steaming up the <laughs> they're really steaming up the screen and then they're like, yeah. well, they're pretty much steaming up the windows off screen. Yeah, so. there's a lot of method acting going yeah, on. Yeah, absolutely. They're really really committing to the parts. Yeah, yeah. Big but yeah, time. she's she's great in this. Playing playing her dad, we've got Dennis Leary as uh, Captain yes. Stacy. I remember that. And again, We've, we mentioned the comparisons to Ultimate Spider-Man. Mm. In those comics, Captain Stacy was a lot younger. Mm. Like the portrayal we get in this film. Like previously, yeah. Spider-Man 3, 2007, we had James Cromwell. A much older Captain Stacy. Yeah, that's right. So we're getting a younger version in this. 
And yeah, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. I've seen a little bit of his stand-up. He used to have that show, Rescue Me. So I've seen a little bit of yeah, him good? around the place. And I can't remember who, but he's a character in the Ice Age movies. I'm pretty sure he's, he's oh, in there yeah, as well. Oh, yeah, he's the Saber Tooth Tiger. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So we're familiar with him. We know who he is. I liked him as Captain Stacy. He, he finds out that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And he's like, it's too dangerous. You need to stay away from Gwen. Mm. And at one point, he's going to stay away. But then he decides he can't. He loves her. Yada, and, yada, then yada. and then it bleeds into that second film, Will They, Won't They? And again, we know how mm. that ends. Yeah. yeah, Captain Stacy. I did like him in this. Mm. We've mentioned a couple of times already, Richard Parker. He was played by Campbell Scott. The movie opens with uh, Peter's parents. Then he's moved in with Aunt May and Uncle Ben. Mm-hmm. And then we occasionally get Richard Parker in a flashback or we'll see like a pre-recording that he's left. So we get a bit more time with the actor there. But for the most part, we've got Sally Field as Aunt May. I was just about to say that. You, good thing you got to that. It's a perfect segue. Do you have a favourite Aunt May in, in, out of all the cinema movies, Spidey movies? Unfortunately, I can't remember the actress's name, but I like Aunt May from the Raimi films. Uh, bingo, I was she's, just going to say. She just feels like she Aunt feel, May. Yes, yes. And she feels like an aunt that you actually know or, ha- or have or had had. Like, she just gives off those vibes and you can't not love that. Yeah. She sells, she really, really plays that part well. She sells it really well. Especially in Spider-Man 2 and it's almost like she knows Peter's Spider-Man. Yeah. And he's... And he's not Spider-Man she, anymore. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where she's that scene where she's on. I think she's in the hospital bed, and she's like, like people yeah. saying, you know, I, oh, I want to tell. Well, she's me, with me. that. She's with that young kid from the neighborhood. Yeah, and she's talking about how he feels about Spider-Man, and yeah. he needs someone to look up to, and he yeah. had that in Spider-Man. Oh, it's That's I great, love Spider-Man it? too. See, I, I <laughs> that is Aunt May for me. I, yes, I can't I get behind like. Babe Aunt May, like Marissa Tomei. Oh, wow. I mean, yes. Because she's a babe. And you <laughs> she go, really she, is. <laughs> she shouldn't be an auntie. She's too, yeah. good. She's too hot. She's too good looking. She's not an auntie. No. No way. But Sally Field, though, she's in this movie. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As, uh, what can we say? Um, she's she's publicly um, come out and said that she hated the completed film. Oh, and wow. remarks that the only thing she liked about it was working with Andrew Garfield. Oh, okay. So that's okay. Yeah, she so, she enjoyed I mean, those She's scenes. not a bad on me. No, she... but she's she's kind of just there. Like For me, like watching it, and it happens when they just bring in famous people mm. to play characters that have been played yeah. you know, many times or a couple of times but before. It goes to show you sometimes. If you get a, a, an obscure uh, actor or actress in this case, play a character they can bring so much more warmth and believability yeah. and genuineness to the role I mean I think we're yeah the the actress I really wish we did know her name now because we're both praising the hell out of her mm. from the Raimi films like mm. she's obviously someone that's been working for decades yeah like however long she's been in the industry yeah. and I'm thinking this the Aunt May role was one of the last things that she did yeah so yeah so she's got like a, oh, she did. She... a wealth of a back catalogue I'm sure yeah but the fact that we can't even recall her, her name, name is, is, a, is a, uh, a disservice to the actress. It very much is. Yeah, but she was great. Let's talk about Uncle Ben then. Because, mm. again, another famous face. Yep. We're getting Martin Sheen. That's right. As Uncle Ben. So what, yep. what do you think to, to his take on the character? Oh, that was all right. Didn't have anything against it. But again, guy in the first movie, again, whose name escapes me. 
Seems to be the trend. <laughs> yeah, wow, we're, we're not doing too too well at this. Although, in our defence, though, we're not necessarily reviewing those older movies. No, no, we're not. But it's... Okay, there was a reason why I wanted you to start talking about Michael Sheen. Yeah, go on. I wa- no, Michael Sheen is a British actor. Martin Sheen, let's get it right. Mm-hmm. I had a quick look. May Parker in the Raimi films was played by Rosemary Harris ah. and Ben Parker was played by Cliff Robertson. And I think sometimes it's when you come to a film, TV show, comic, whatever yeah. it may be, and they are your version. So for me, yeah, like when I read comics now, and it's Uncle Ben, it's Aunt you imagine May, their voices. They're the they're the actors. So. Exactly. I'm this. I'm still the same with the Batman comics and Michael Go as Alfred. Oh, definitely. He, he is, is. He was excellent. the quintessential Alfred. Everyone, no one else stacks up, and it's the same with uh, with uh, the way Marvel have got these actors, actors and actresses to play those iconic parts. So although we're Sony not reviewing. Marvel. The Raimi movies. I'm glad I was able to just fact check the, yeah. the actors' names. That was a good fact checking. Oh, we should probably talk before we move on from the cast. Mm-hmm. We we can't do so without talking about the Stan Lee cameo. It happens oh, yeah. at around the one hour thirty five minute mark. Yep. He's the headset. Well, why am I telling you? Everyone knows where who he is. And he's the headset wearing man in the library unaware of the events going on around him. Uh, let me completely oblivious. Let me say this. I think it's one of his best by yeah. far. It wow. is such a great cameo. It's a non-speaking part for Stanley, mm-hmm. but it is such a good scene. All the action happening behind him. It, it is a great and you cameo. It's even better than his MCU appearances. Well, one of it's up there. I'd, okay. I'd, I'd need to do like maybe like a top three, top five. You know, just go through all his cameos. There you go. But I would definitely say this one is up there because yes. like the the joke works. It's a great performance it's a visual, by visual Lee. Yeah, some. Some movies give him too much dialogue, I think, but yeah. this one, Got it just right. he nails the cameo. Yeah. As the great man himself would say on the matter, enough said. Perfect. Let's talk about the costume then. This yep. costume is different enough to what we've got in the Raimi films. It's yep. hard not to compare it to those films, isn't it? But this suit is different. The, the fabric, it almost looks like... A basketball, like the material they're using. Yeah, it's like, that fabric. It's like rubber, like rubber grip, latexy sort of grippy stuff. One thing that's interesting to note about the costume, actually, the eyes. Until very recently, most of the of the iterations of the costume had the big Todd McFarlane style eyes, uh, whereas now with Tom Holland's costume, they've narrowed the eyes back down and make them smaller again. But yes. Mc, but if you remember McFarlane, the way he used to draw yeah, Spidey before he was unceremon- unceremoniously dunked by Marvel and went on to draw Spawn for Image, um, he drew him with big, massive, giant eyes. And that is something that's stuck around until yeah, it's, recently. It's a good look. And yeah, you're like right. It. It's, what we, it's what we get here in this film. Like Essentially, like what they were trying to do was have the costume be designed to resemble... An acrobat costume, like yes. they want, they wanted it to look as though Spider-Man was long. And one of the ways of doing that is they elongated the spider on his chest oh, and on his back. Lean, lengthy. So you know, like a spider's got long legs, and he just and and that's part. I guess one. I mean, as an actor, as yep. a well, as an actor, as a person, yep. like Garfield is quite tall and lean and, and lanky. Lean, yes. It, so you can see he's already got the physique for that. Yeah. But just having things like the elongated legs, it does make him just look more Optical spider-like. Yeah. In the comics, were you a fan, or were you ever a fan, or ever not a fan, of the webbing under the armpits? Don't need it. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, first appearance. It was had a, it. Yeah, and it was just purely aesthetics. But it looks so much better without it. Yeah, it works on a comic page, but again, visually wasn't my favourite thing. But no. that was like classic Spidey. Yeah, no, you, you don't you don't need it. Do you know what I want to see in live action on the big screen? The two hundred nine nine outfit. Spidey oh, two hundred nine nine. Oh, that I was would be never s- into it. Never into it. You I know, that, loved it. That whole comic line where they did Punisher, X Men, Ravage. Nah, that yeah. wasn't. Was I agree. Not into the, 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 I, I will all. agree. The, the only cool thing about them was the foil, the foil covers, because the nineties were gimmicky. Can I say this? Yeah. You've already confirmed or said you're going to watch Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Yes. In the sequel, we are getting Spider-Man 2099. Well, there you go. So more of an incentive for you. Such there a big you Spider-Man fan. Yeah, I'm going to watch it. Can't believe you. You've just not never seen, got around to it. It was just one of those it. things that just passed me by. Don't know why, but it did. But listeners. Rest assured, I am. I've got Netflix, and it's high on my priority to-do list is to watch *Into the Spider-Verse*. Good to hear. Tonally, this movie it's a bit darker, a bit mm. grittier. You know, I mentioned the *Batman Begins* influence earlier mm. than what we've had before in live action. So, on one hand, it is a little bit darker, mm-hmm. but interestingly, though, this is the first live-action Spider-Man film where the main villain ends the movie in prison rather than dead or at large. Interesting. So there you go. So tonally, it's a little bit darker, but at the same time, they're not just killing the villains like they've been doing since Batman 89. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is a travesty, to be, if I'm honest. You don't need to kill off the villain. No, just... But it's that thing, is it? Like In a comic, they rarely would because there's more comics... Exactly. Where his films to make a lot less films films compared to. Yeah, it's just like one and done, you know? But it is disappointing where they kill the villain. Although, we've reviewed Batman Forever already. Yeah. For me, Two Face clearly dies at the end of that film. Yet, Mm. if you watch Batman and Robin, when they're looking at all the costumes and artifacts in Arkham Asylum, they've got the Two-Face outfit. That's right. Why would they if he's dead? But anyway, that's DC, (laughs) not Marvel. Hey, we're comics nerds. We can cross-reference. The special effects in this film. I've talked about really liking Garfield as Mm Spider-Man. The the effects in this film and the sequel are incredible. What they are achieving, Spider-Man web-swinging through New York is is phenomenal oh. like there's so many screenshots you can get from spider-man in live action from these films and they are perfection well i mean consider that the technology had improved by leaps and bounds from when raimi did his trilogy yes that was i mean raimi's trilogy was impressive but the the, the approach was different here so it was yeah. a creative decision by the filmmakers to have most of the stunts performed practically on rigs by actors or stuntmen rather than extensively using CGI animation. That's what we got with the Raimi films. Mm. So you're right, like CGI is better at this point, yeah. but still they're opting to use Trying to get more of a real-world feel. And that's why, I mean, granted, yeah, there is still CGI, a lot of it, in this yeah. movie. You couldn't not do it. You couldn't do a movie without these days without CGI. A big superhero, a tentpole blockbuster like that. No, and they're still using it here, but they're leaning more so yeah. where possible into practical effects. Yeah, no, I get that. It's a nice even keel, a bit of both. While filming in New York, the crew built a whole rig hundreds of feet long over Riverside Drive in Harlem, hmm. and Andy Armstrong built a car rig 
with a series of wires to help the VFX, which required an incredible wealth of acrobatics. Wow. So there is a lot going on here to achieve what we get to see Spider-Man do in the film, yeah. which again, even though we've had, you know, Holland as Spider-Man since, mm. what is being done in this film and the sequel is still the best for me. It just yeah. looks incredible. Fair enough. I mentioned uh, the composer at the beginning, James Horner. Mm. The composer on this film, like before this film, he'd done Titanic, Braveheart, Avatar. I mean, we can go back so to big films. Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Well, there you go. That was him. Okay, so he's done some noteworthy things. He did. Unfortunately, this was the final American film to be scored by Horner and released during his lifetime. Three mm. years before his death on June 22nd, 2015 from an aircraft accident. Wow. Let's just keep going because that's a yeah. sad a sad note to, to end on. But this guy had such a big career and then unfortunately came to an end. Uh, that's tragic. The film also features the Coldplay song Till Kingdom Come from the album X and Y. Right. Okay. Spidey, Spidey I did, I didn't, got Coldplay on the soundtrack. I didn't expect you to be too excited about the mention of Coldplay, if I'm honest, but I thought I'd put it out there. And it just seems very fitting that yeah. the Garfield iteration of Peter Parker, you could just see him you or could, imagine him listening to Coldplay. You could, but then also listening to the collective, you know, uh, silence of all our listeners being nonplussed by the fact that Coldplay is on a Spidey movie. They'd just be met with, you know, like crickets chirping. Anyway, it's a Coldplay. They have a song in, in this movie. <laughs> what a way to end. The rating then, Nathan, if you're going to rate The Amazing Spider-Man out of five. I'm going to come in at an uncharacteristic 3.5 for me. I'll go 3.5. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, that's um, that's not a five. That's your usual go-to. Yeah, this. and the reason why is because, plain and simple, nothing against the film, but it, it ain't my Spidey. It ain't my Spidey. Everyone's got their Spidey. That ain't my Spidey. Uh, they were great films. Don't get me wrong. Um, I just, I have too much of a, a soft spot for, for Raimi's trilogy. I'm too damn sentimental. So, so when you say Garfield isn't your Spidey, you're referring to Maguire. Yeah. Maguire, right. Maguire is my Spidey closely followed by Holland and then Garfield coming in, coming in third, if I'm honest. Okay. I, I can't be ridiculous with my scoring because in fact, I'm not going to be, I'm going to come in the same as you 3.5. Okay. My my reasoning, what really works about this movie, I've said already, Garfield as Spider-Man, more so than Garfield as Peter Parker. Mm -hmm. I think his Spidey is excellent, more so in that second movie, but even in this first movie, I really like him as Spider-Man. And visually, whenever he is in costume, it is phenomenal. That's fair enough. But the film around him isn't the best. Mm. I wasn't that thrilled for an old untold story, which didn't end up giving me too much extra. Yeah. yeah. I just, for me, I just, it falls short because I just don't need to see an, yet another retelling of a superhero's origin. I don't need to see a retelling of something that I know, you know, and... I know, but can you remember, like, Stan Lee had said this many times years ago. Yeah. Always write a comic book as if it's somebody's first it's comic time. book. That's yeah, okay. That and that was true. that was always but all they Stan really, Lee's method. True. They they just tweaked it though. They just took they just took it and made it slightly more complex. Yeah, again, like it's 
it's it's unnecessary. I mean, we got into it on our Man of Steel review, which admittedly we enjoyed a lot more than than this movie. But yeah. just having like Superman isn't just Superman anymore. He's mm. also got the Kryptonian Codex. Yeah, in him. <laughs> like, you yeah. know, that's been embedded into his DNA. So it's like. Is him being Superman not enough? You've now well, got it, to add a it opened codex. Up, it opened up people's perception of him. It did, but it's similar to what we're talking about here, yeah. where he's adding an extra story point to the origin. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. that's our take on, on the amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. If you want to contact us about this episode or request a topic for an upcoming show, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. Nathan, thanks once again for being on the show. Thanks for having me. And as always, it's uh, always a pleasure and never a chore. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. <laughs>